Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I mentioned to the children, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, If you listen to some of the lyrics in Andy Williams' 1963 song, Kids jingle belling, people of good cheer, friends come to call, parties for hosting, caroling out in the snow, tales of the glories of Christmases long time ago, mistletoeing. All of those are signature events that happen during Christmas time, this wonderful time of the year. As Christians, we would highlight, first and foremost, the birth of Jesus Christ, that Christ came to save, that Christ came to be with us, God with us, Emmanuel, that God came in the flesh to be our Lord and Savior, to save us from our sins. But there's far much more today as we unfold the mystery of the fullness of God coming, that at just the right time, God came born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. But how unsettling is it for you today as we hear in the gospel this past history of a Christmas long time ago, right after the birth of Jesus, where we have these words from Matthew. Herod became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. The slaughter of the innocent. Quickly, soon, right after the birth of Jesus, now comes evil and death. How are we to handle when things come into our lives that that change everything? We have the celebration of the birth of Jesus, and now we hear the slaughter of the innocents. How are we to handle the Holy Family, fleeing from Egypt, all of this happening. And just not long ago, five days ago, we were celebrating the birth of Jesus, celebrating all the goodness of Christ's coming to be with us, Emmanuel. We know that life changes. We know that things happen in life. Circumstances change for each and every one of us, sometimes in our own lives, sometimes for our families, Sometimes in the world that we live, things change. But God gives us something today, something more powerful, something greater, something more wonderful than we can even ascertain, that we can even begin to comprehend. But he comes to us in the fullness of time, something that comes to us this wonderful time of the year that continues to extend into every day of our lives and every year of our lives. So listen to these words from Paul from Galatians. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. To understand the fullness of this time that Paul is speaking about, we first probably need to understand why Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians. So all these churches in Galatia, they were a province of the Roman Empire. And today we would say probably this is uh, the area around central or northern Turkey. But this was Paul's first missionary journey. So he went with the good news of Jesus, Christ's death and his resurrection. And he told them 
that their sins had been forgiven. They were no longer slaves, but they were sons of God. And this changed their lives. And so then Paul, he left. The evangelists, the preachers, the teachers of those days, they were preaching the good news, but somehow something changed. The message changed. Something changed in the way that they were speaking about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And they quickly became confused. So this is about a year or two years later that Paul addresses the churches in Galatia. And he says, I need to reteach you once again the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Now, just to give you a modern day example of this, Pastor Rawl always mentions when he was in Papua New Guinea and they were very animistic things of the spirit world but they brought the good news of Jesus. But when the missionaries left, it didn't take long for them to become confused and they went back to their animistic ways, sort of trying to blend things together. And this is what Paul found out. The churches in Galatia were being Pharisaic. They were having these, this understanding that the, the law still existed. So how much of the law existed that they should follow? Or what laws were they still under what laws had they been redeemed from? What laws had Christ taken into himself? Or maybe the question was this. How Jewish do you have to be to be part of the church in Galatia? So Paul works through this illustration, this picture, if you will, of a master's estate and the relationship between a slave and a son. So if you go back to the first part of Galatians chapter 4, Paul says this as he addresses them. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different than a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So to help them understand, he tells them about this wealthy estate owner who has a son. The son would be the heir apparent, but first he must grow up. He must become of a certain age to be able to exercise his rights. He had no control over everything until he reached this certain age. And Paul says, this is the picture of them, but also of us before Christ. Before the fullness of time comes in Christ, our condition is one that we are slaves. We are not owners. We are not managers. We are not part of this kingdom that God has called us into. We are nothing more than slaves. But what God has accomplished, what God has accomplished in his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, is to remind us that Christians have come of age. Christians have come of age in this time of God fulfilling everything that he had promised. So now this understanding in the Roman uh, understanding of the law, adoption as sons. Now in our day and age, that raises a question, why not sons and daughters? Why does this seem to be language that's not inclusive? And sometimes it can irritate people when you talk about being a son of God. But Paul addresses that in Galatians chapter 3 when he says, In Christ Jesus, you are sons of God through faith. 
For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. There's no restrictions. Nothing is held back. Full adoption. Full adoption as sons coming through faith. There's no second-tier Christians. There's no entry-level or intermediate or advanced. All are Christians, one in Christ. So today, maybe the question might be, how Lutheran do you have to be to be part of a Lutheran church? Well, the full adoption that Christ has won, the fullness of time has come. And we have been adopted into God's family. This is a miracle that God brings into our lives. It's far beyond the righteousness that he brings to us, far beyond the forgiveness that he brings to us. He adopts us as sons into his family. This is a legal transaction that God has made. Because usually when we think about this legal exchange that happens, usually we think about the righteousness that God gives to us, and the sins that Christ takes that are our sins. But here this is something that we have been transferred one family to another. Brenda and I watched uh, the the movie on Amazon, Instant Family. You have a chance to to watch that. But it's about uh, a couple that decide to foster three children. And then after some time and certainly some angst and some some, uh, tribulation, they decide to adopt these children. And so they go to family court, and the judge is so excited because he says, not in family court do we get to do this very often, but this full adoption, uh, the paper is signed. They are taken in fully to be the children of these parents. This is what God is speaking to us today in the fullness of time. We've been adopted. We've been brought in. There's been a legal transfer that has happened in our lives that we are now all part of the family of God through baptism, that God has brought us to be one with Christ Jesus, that God has made us his children. And that's far beyond anything that we can even imagine, that the creator of the universe has adopted us to be his children, that we are in his family. And there's two results of this adoption that Paul speaks about in Galatians. The first is in verse 6. God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. In the Old Testament, when the Spirit would come, many times the Spirit would come and the Spirit would leave. But when Christ is born, conceived by the Holy Spirit, the Gospel comes. The Holy Spirit is given. And the Holy Spirit remains. The Holy Spirit remains to as Jesus said, will come and be the comforter, the one who comes alongside, the one who calls us together, the one who enlightens us, the one who continues to gather us together as God's people to know that we are the holy Christian church, that we are the sanctified, the holy ones of God, and that God keeps us in this one true faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us intercedes on our behalf, gathers us together for worship so we know the way in which God gives his gifts as he brings us together. 
And then Paul says, the Spirit allows us to cry out, Abba, Father. Remarkable how Paul uses his language, how he uses something very interesting here in his writing technique. Because he would have been writing uh, to the Galatians in Greek, but all of a sudden he changes it to Aramaic. He uses the word Abba, Father. Sometimes that's translated, you know, Papa, Daddy. But it's that intimacy, that relationship. But what they would have understood if they would have gone back to the Gospel of Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cries out in Aramaic, Abba, Father. So Paul wants us to see that this adoption that brings us this transfer of us into the kingdom of God as God's children, that we have the same reality. That we can cry out, Abba, Father. We have a Father in heaven who loves us, just as he loved Jesus. Jesus in his high priestly prayer says this, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, even as you loved me. I think about that baptismal hymn, God's own child, I gladly say it, I am baptized into Christ. This is a transfer of us into the family of God that we can cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit has been given to us, the Holy Spirit, the one in the conception of Christ, the one who brings to us faith and continues to encourage us and strengthen us in our faith and our walk with Christ. And the last verse in Galatians that we have gives us a second, relong, a second result. No longer slaves, but sons. Heirs, co-heirs with Christ. In our modern day world, we usually understand that inheritance comes when someone dies. Usually we have to wait. But in the Roman Empire, their understanding was that the son had the same rights as the father. He had ownership with the father at the age when he became at the proper age. And that they held in common, they managed together while the father still lived. It's this wonderful time of the year that God reminds us that we are co-heirs with Christ. We share with him this inheritance already. It's already ours. All that God brings to us in Christ in his death and resurrection is ours as children of God. We have come of age. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. I wonder what would happen if we could fully understand what God has given to us in Christ. That it's beyond forgiving our sins, beyond the righteousness that God gives to us, but that already we are children of God. And the Spirit will work through this word today, will work through all that God is doing as he brings to us to the supper and feeds us with the very body and blood of Christ as we walk by the baptismal font to know that we have been baptized into Christ. And to know that this is the fullness of time. This is the most wonderful time of the year. But what we do with this time, you know, we tell it on the mountain. 
We, we tell our friends and our neighbors, we tell others the good news that we have, that we are children of God, that we remind people of their baptism, that those who are not baptized, we remind them of the great gift that God gives in baptism, and that we have everything in Christ Jesus. There may be times as we go along where there'll be challenges, even the Holy Family, as they had to flee to Egypt, and then coming back to Egypt, they could not come back, and they had to go to Nazareth, but all to fulfill what Scripture, what God had prophesied through the prophets. This is the most wonderful time of the year. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.